I remember back in October of 2021, my wife had just asked me to have a separation. Uh, she wasn't sure if she wanted to be with me. And I remember in the ensuing days how I felt, just like many men feel out there when something has happened with their primary relationship or, or that intimate relationship in their life, a lot of abandonment came at, had come up for me. And I remember fighting that over the, the course of the next few weeks and just sitting with it and how uncomfortable that feeling, feeling sat. In this episode, we meet up with Johnny King. I met Johnny King through the Uncivilized Nation. We went through a coaching certification and met in person at the Man Uncivilized Initiation in Austin, Texas. Immediately we clicked and we got deep into Johnny's story. And I wanted to share it with the world because I feel like it is a great message in sitting with your abandonment issues and growing from that. Johnny takes us about 12 years back uh, to when his ex-wife asked for a divorce right after a Tony Robbins concert and how he's evolved from working with women to working with men and being a prominent men's coach and facilitator. This podcast resonates with me so much when it comes to abandonment issues, which I look forward to this podcast and I hope that you enjoy. Hey, good morning, Johnny. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? I am fantastic. Just sitting in the Gatlinburg Mountains, listening to the river, talking to your beautiful face. With your bro tank on. I've got my bro tank on. Yeah. We're ready, ready to get some lifting on. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? I've been, I'm day 23 of 75 hard. So I've been lifting. Oh, shit. Yeah. So nice. my neck, my neck hurts a little bit. You know, I, I guess I didn't do something right, but we'll get there. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so Johnny, as I was telling you before we jumped on here, a man's journey is about, about highlighting your um, journey as from consciousness or excuse me, unconsciousness to consciousness and mm. just the things that you faced. And, and I want to highlight that we were talking about about 12 years ago. Uh, you, your wife at the time bought you a ticket to the Tony Robbins, uh, event. Can we yeah. jump there and then we'll just keep going with it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit of that story is ultimately I was married at the time and I knew, man, I knew probably more unconsciously to your point that I was failing her. I was failing myself, um, that I was just deeply kind of steeped in like imposter syndrome i was thinking that i was attempting to you know fake it till i make it like doing all those things but i was still deeply unsatisfied with my life <laughs> you know not not so much with the relationship personally i was happy in the relationship um but i knew i wasn't showing up even remotely close i'd say maybe i was touching 20 percent of my full potential you know mm -hmm. and that was was wreaking havoc in my psyche on a day-to-day -day basis, although you wouldn't know it because I put on a good mask, a good character, right? So <clears throat> lo and behold, she bought me a ticket to go see Tony Robbins for our second year anniversary. And I was like, okay, like I'd listened to a couple of his CDs before, like kind of random, but thank you, you know, <laughs> like not to go together, just to go by myself, you know, I was like, all right, cool. So I took the train up to Chicago and dude, that guy blew the doors off the hinges in terms of just like bringing, it was like, yeah, similar to, to the matrix where all of a sudden I was like, oh 
my God. Like I, I cried more that weekend than I'd been, than I'd cried probably in 20 years. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I just really kind of, it, it just, it, it, it awakened me to all of the areas that I was again, like really, really hurting, but, but suppressing, you know? And, uh, so I was fired up to say the least. I came home from that weekend and I'm like, let's go. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to change all these things. And I remember like some of the first couple of texts that I had sent, uh, sent her at the time was like, A, uh, I think the very first one was like, I need to quit my job. And she was like, okay. Another one was like, I think I want to become a vegetarian. And she was like, what the <laughs> fuck? You know, like, you know, like who, who, who is this guy, you know, and what type of Kool-Aid is he drinking there? Right. Um, I have no idea exactly what she probably was thinking, but like, okay, what, what the hell did I send him to? <laughs> uh, so I came home with long hair, dreadlocks, you know, beating a drum, you know, and uh, lots of, mala beads thing in radio so yeah yeah so uh honestly for the next six months i had like a 20 to 30 minute drive to work and like both to and from was like the best it was like the highlight of my day and i would just listen to tony robbins so i just started going through all of his programs and she she would join me on some of them uh i just saw it as like okay this this is he's literally figured out like a, a life hack like how to, how to step into and experience true fulfillment. Cause I was like, on paper, man, beautiful wife. She's intelligent. She's talented. I've got the dog, the house. I've got my, my, my uh, great paying job working for a family business. I've got my, my truck, like on paper, everything, I should be happy. And I was anything, but, you know, I had little glimmers but nothing really substantial. And so that's why I was like, I, I just got to keep going into this. So I got, I was so enthused that I actually enrolled my father, my sister-in-law and my little sister to come with me to the next Tony Robbins event six months later in Orlando so what that I could get a free ticket. Room. Well, I had to pack the room so I could get a free ticket because I wasn't really actually, I was making good money, but I also wasn't on top of my finances. We were, yeah. I was still living paycheck to paycheck. I was spending as much as I was making, right? And so I go down to Orlando and, uh, and that's when I realized, oh, I had actually already made all these decisions to leave, you know, to quit my job, to reprioritize my marriage, to do all these things um, that I actually hadn't done. <laughs> I had had good intention. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to do these things, but I was still so fucking scared, you know, I'll do I had tomorrow. no idea what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. I just have to figure out, like, I have to write a business plan or. I have to figure out what I'm going to do with my, you know, it's like all of this stuff that was more or less just procrastination and, and fear. Let's just, let's be honest. Right. Yeah. So ultimately um, that really kicked me in the junk again. And I was like, okay, enough is enough. I'm coming home and I'm going to put in my two week notice at the family business on Monday. And I have no clue, no clue what I'm going to do for work. I'm just going to prioritize my marriage because I had realized that I had prioritized my significance, you know, through this, like making money and working for the family business. And I'd also prioritized certainty or security through making good money, you know, and 
but love and connection was lower on the totem pole. And so no wonder she felt super neglected. Uh, and I decided I was going to reprioritize as my marriage being number one. And I didn't give a shit, you know, what, what it took, but I was going to do it. And then ironically, as I, you know, was picked up from the airport, you know, on the drive home, she told me the marriage was over. So I was like, no, like, you don't understand. Like I'm, I'm ready to do this, but it, honestly, it, it was the biggest and greatest gift that I think I, that she could have given me not only the Tony Robbins stuff, but just to, to actually have me face my deepest fears, which is like abandonment and loneliness. And I had to work through that stuff. I think <clears throat> at least that's the story that I've created as a man, because my mom had passed away. Then she took off, you know, she, her, her, her mother was loyal to her, even though I had a great relationship with my mother-in-law. So I kind of was without the source, uh, AKA women that I had used to, to more or less validate my value as a man. You know, I was a nice guy. I was a people pleaser. It was always just all about women because I didn't really have, I didn't grow up with much of a, a role, you know, role model in my father or males in general. So that's the, I guess the long beginning of my story. Absolutely. So you're in the car, your wife, your, your ex-wife, but your wife at the time yeah, um, broke the news like, hey, I don't want to be in this relationship. Tell me, walk me through what you were feeling in that moment and then the months, weeks leading after. Oh, man. We're going to go there, huh? Um, <laughs> I would say I was, well, we had had a conversation a couple of days prior on the phone and the words that come out of my mouth, like, do you even want to be married to me? And that's so funny because the thought again, wasn't conscious. The words just came out of my mouth and I was kind of like my jaw kind of like hit the floor when I said that, I'm like, why the fuck would I say that? And she's like, well, that's what I want to talk to you about when I, when you get home. And like my heart stopped, like talk about codependent enmeshed mama's boy. And thus, you know, like yeah. <laughs> wife's boy. Like I was, my world was, I was like, this is not, I was just totally in shock. I don't think I've ever, there's been a few moments that I've been in shock one <laughs> and they'd been prior my mom passed away. When I got that call, my dad said, your mom has passed away. That's when I was just like, this is so surreal. This is not true. Right. Then, uh, yeah. Then my dad coming out of the closet, telling me and the rest of my family, but me in that particular moment, because it was just him and I, that he was gay. That was like, what, what you gotta be kidding me. That's surreal. And then uh, that, that moment where she was like, it's, I want a divorce as we were driving home. Like I was trying to fight that for the, the, for the two days leading up to it. I was sick to my stomach. I've never been that just worried and anxious. And, and uh, yeah, like I was, it was the worst two days of my life leading up to it. Cause it's like, maybe she's going to change her mind. Maybe this is like, what, what are we like? Maybe. So I was thinking about all of these ways to like save the marriage and just to have her kind of so kind of, so nonchalant, not nonchalantly, but just very frankly, be like, yeah, it's over. Like she was, you could tell she thought about it. She had like, what? And we haven't talked about this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what, you know? Yeah. Um, but that just kind of goes to show where we were in our, in our mutual maturity at the time, you know? And so, you know, I really, really fought for it that night. You know, I was a complete ball of tears and just like, no. And, 
And she, I think she finally relented, which is, you know, goes to show, I think part of her beautiful heart. She just was like, she couldn't see me in pain so much longer. I was like, just let us have another try. Let's start all over. I'm a new man coming back from Tony Robbins. And uh, just give me one, let's just go on a first date, you know, let's go on a first date again. And she finally relented like, okay. But then I just continued to spiral out of control. You know, I was such, I would go from like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, cool. So we had that conversation because <clears throat> we're still living together, still sleeping in the same bed. And I've never felt further away from someone, you know, physically, yeah. emotionally. So that was uh, wreaking havoc. And, and ultimately I was just so, again, so desperate, so insecure. So, like I said, needy and I, I couldn't have done probably a better job of drop kicking her out the door, <laughs> you know, when, when, <laughs> when, when all I wanted honestly was to keep her, like everything I did was probably a, such a turnoff. I, I don't know. I don't, I've never gotten her, her, uh, you know, experience on the whole thing, but I'm sure she was so done with me <laughs> that she just, <laughs> it wasn't very long that she was like, I'm out of here. Combated her out the house. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finish her. And, and off she went, you know? Yes. So I, but again, I just goes to show how, you know, she, at the time she was my oxygen, you know? And, and now it's kind of like, I remember after she eventually, I mean, you could fast forward a little bit, but uh, it was kind of like, yeah, a couple weeks later, that I remember just like I was standing in front of the window, bawling my eyes out, crying like I was, you know, seven years old again. And it was raining outside and raining hard. So I kind of felt like God and I were on the same page, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like like the whole world is crying. And I <laughs> and I yeah, and I remember thinking I was asking all these questions like, um, how did it come to this? Why was I such a horrible husband? You know, um, all of these questions that were making me out to be not so much a victim to her, but a victim to um, my own shortcomings, my own lack of potential. Right. I was just beating myself up left and right, you know, quite because I was like, I, I wouldn't I don't blame her for leaving. I wouldn't want to be married to myself either. And what popped into my head was one of the things that I remember Tony Robbins saying, which is like the quality of your life is proportionate to the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. And I was realizing that I was asking some really shitty questions that I was only making me want to more or less kill myself. Yeah. Like I felt like my world was over. Right. Even though I wasn't suicidal, I really wasn't having suicidal thoughts, but I was as low as I've ever been in my entire life. <clears throat> so so I thought like, okay, how could I rephrase this question to be a healthier question? So I'm literally coaching myself in that moment, the way that Tony had, and, and, and I'm not making this shit up. This is legitimately what's going through my mind. And I thought to myself, okay, you know, and I'm a big fan of all those freaking like hero movies. And I grew up on all the, like all the, the superhero movies and i thought to myself like <clears throat> okay if this was like gladiator or braveheart or whatever like how how could this moment right now if i'm watching a movie of my own life how could this moment be the moment where all of a sudden i you know dry my eyes and, <laughs> and the sun comes out and the music changes and i maybe i rip off my you know hulk 
t-shirt and I just decide to change my life for the better, right? Like everything. Are you, are you like, looking like Mel Gibson and Braveheart? With the yeah, I did have a kilt on. Yep, long okay. hair. I had right. a kilt on. Mm -hmm. And I was playing a bagpipe while this was all happening. So I was giving my own soundtrack to the, to the, to the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, ultimately, I was like, I have to, what popped in my head was like, give. I'm like, and, but it was weird. It's like very few moments have I had of this where I'm like, that wasn't my own thought. That wasn't my own, you know, inner voice. I, I believe that was coming from God. Right. And I, and I, but then I had the conversation when I was like, give like question mark. And the, then the voice came back again, very strongly, just give. And I'm like, give what? Like I have nothing. Right. Like I have half the furniture, I have a TV, but I have no couch, you know, <laughs> I have dining room, dining room table, but I don't have any plates or silverware. Like we split things up. Right. So I'm like, I was feeling like I, I, half of my being was there. I had nothing to give and it just said, give, I was like, okay, I don't know where I'm going to give or what I'm going to give. I got nothing to give, but I'll lean into that. So that got me out of myself. And I ultimately, that led me to actually going to um, a prison and starting to read scripture to these men who were worse off in some regards, right? Absolutely. Than, than I was in, in a situation. And I was reading scripture and having really good conversations with these guys. And it would feel really amazing. And I would notice within five minutes of walking out of the prison, and getting in my car, I'd be right back into my depression, <clears throat> right back into what was me. I'm alone. I don't have a job. I'm just living off of credit cards, like fuck my life. Right. So I was realizing that that wasn't very sustainable. So I just was feeling like, okay, what else could I give then? And that's when my buddy Lewis Howes sent me a, cause he and I had been, you know, in school together and he was really supportive through that divorce time he sent me a $97 info product, like a link to an info product that was like, start your six figure boot camp in 90 days, like a gym. Yeah. And then, then the light bulb went off. I was like, Oh shit, I could do this because previously at the, at the Tony Robbins event, I was like, I don't know what Tony is doing up there. Like, I don't know exactly what this is even like, what is this? But I love it so much. And I've never felt more alive. I want a piece of this. I want to be a coach. I want to be, so I started coaching women even before Lewis had sent me this link, um, random women that I started meeting through other uh, female contacts in, in town to help them with losing weight. And they'd sit down with me. I remember one particular conversation she had, she sat down with me at a Chick-fil-A, you know, while her kid played in the playground we're at a fast food restaurant. She probably has a hundred pounds to lose. And she's like, can, can you help me lose weight? I heard that like, you can, I'm like, yeah, but let me ask you, how's your marriage? Like literally that was my first question. She's like, what? <laughs> like, how's, how's your relationship with your husband? She's like, it's good. I'm like, is it really though? <laughs> <laughs> and what happened in your childhood? Were you sexually abused? Like I had no tact. I had no, like, you were just straight, straight, forward. I was straight shooting. Like I just figured because 
what I learned through my parents, you know, is that they were addicted to food because they were coping, you know, through this big mystery that my mom knew my dad was gay and my dad obviously knew that he was gay, but no one really, it was the elephant in the room that all relationships must have something similar going on. Some big secret between husband and wife. And she's like, no, we're great actually. And so this, this woman in the Chick-fil-A, so that didn't last very long. So I was burning bridges pretty quick, left and right, attempting to give like to help others. And when we were like, fuck you, just help me lose weight. I don't want to go into the skeletons of my closet. Yeah. And then when Lewis sent me that uh, $97 info product, the light bulb went off. It's like, okay, I could do this. I could, I could give them what they say they want so that I could give them what I feel like they truly need, which is transformation. So give them weight loss and exercise and nutrition, but you really are know that what you're dealing with is coaching women through like whatever emotional eating habits they've created over the years. So anyways, that started my gyms in 2010. And that was like six months after my divorce. So that was a long, that was the worst six months of my life. hundred percent darkest, longest for sure. But also most healing. That was like the dark night of the soul for sure. You know, I was going to ask you, well, did you quit your job? <laughs> but you, <laughs> you, you know, you highlighted that. So, yeah. so this all, this all was kind of like the catalyst for you to, to start coaching you coached yeah. the women how long did you do that for and and what was the point where you're like ah, i'm not interested anymore well to go back and actually answer your previous question because i think it's important it's like did i quit my job i had a moment there it was like wait wait am i i just lost my my marriage the like the main staple of my life do i also want to upheave my financial life you know like, actually, if I went back to, to work and said, hey, actually, no, I'll, I'll stay here. I could start making some good money. I could get a promotion. I could start like, and I was thinking to myself, like, but Johnny, you settling for certainty, you know, and security was what led you to become a complacent, boring human being. So I was like, fuck this. Like, I don't care. Right. And this was, this was after 2008, the recession, the, the real estate, like everyone of their grandmother was going bankrupt, you know, family members and friends. And I was like, if I go bankrupt, I'll just be one of them. Like, I don't fucking care. So I just like put it on the credit card. So I just lived off the credit card for a year and a half, but I really did choose. And there was a part of me that's like my inner warrior. That was like, no, like going back to my comfortable job is like, crawling out of the arena and jumping into the grandstands you know and just yeah. sitting back and watching people down in the, in the in the arena actually doing the work actually fighting for their dreams so i i intentionally chose to to leave the job which yes ultimately led me to starting my gym and i owned the gyms for five years i coached women for eight years um but in retrospect again without going into all of that detail, I come, you know, fast forward to 2018. I was so, it was the end of 2017. And I was like, I cannot keep doing this. I have, I've completely flatlined my business. I haven't made any more money. I have no motivation. I was probably working 10 hours a week, which on paper again, was like, uh, I was hiking a lot here. I had already moved to Colorado. I was like, 
like my social life was amazing, you know, my physical life, but my financial life and my sense of like purpose and mission was totally devoid of any sense of like real fulfillment. So I was like, I'm willing. So I ended up joining this uh, mastermind at the very end of 2017 for the entire year of 2018. So each quarter we would meet somewhere new in the country and have all of these speakers. And I was really like, I'd humbled myself to think I will go back to corporate America if that's what it takes. You know, um, I don't feel like that's right, but I'm so dissatisfied coaching in the, in the capacity that I'm coaching. Not so much that I didn't, and I so much loved working with women, but what I can now see, which I couldn't see at the time was that, you know, my whole life had been, and my, my sense of identity and value had been constructed out of my way of like, making my mom happy. And if it wasn't my mom happy, it was my school teachers or my Sunday school teachers or my girlfriends or my sisters or my art teacher. Like it was just all women in my life, right? There weren't too many men in my life that I was like, uh, really other than my brother, my older brother, who's kind of like my father figure. I, I really wasn't pursuing, you know, <laughs> validation from any male figure, right? So my ex-wife, my ex-mother-in-law, they were just an extension of that. Then once they left, then I just created a business that had all of these Midwestern women <laughs> think that I was amazing, you know, to them yeah, as yeah, this yeah. like weight loss coach. And it felt really good for a while until it didn't. And then just like very slowly, it just started to wear off. And I just started becoming kind of more depressed again and more just like lackadaisical, unmotivated. So that's where in 2018, I was like, I'm willing to give it all away. I don't know what I want to do, but I'll go back to corporate America if that's what it takes. And it was at the very last um, mastermind meeting in Sunnyside, I believe it's, uh, San Diego. And the very first night of that very last, you know, quarter, quarterly mastermind was when I, we had a speaker and her name was Christine Hasler. And she was hot seating people. I'd never, I'd, I didn't know who she was. <clears throat> I'd never met her, but she was intervening with people like, Hey, what's your problem? And within five minutes, you know, people were crying and, or, or as I referred to like popping, they were just having these epiphanies like, Oh my God, she was so, I've not seen someone even remotely close to what Tony Robbins does like in those interventions. until I saw Christine do the same thing. I'm like, Holy fuck. She's a fucking ninja so i just raised my hand hey hey do do me next do me next <laughs> my you turn know? my turn my turn my turn my turn you know super nervous but she's like okay what what's your problem I'm like i i don't know just pull it out of me you know I, I i seriously don't know she's like well what do you know what don't you know i'm like i i don't even know where to go with my life i'm so confused i'm so like and she's like and we start kind of chipping away at it and she's like well, what does it mean for you to be a man I was like, I don't even fucking know that either. You know, she's like, because a man who's grounded, masculine in his purpose, he's not confused. He's very clear. He's very decisive. He knows what he wants. He goes after it. And I was like, oh, fuck. You know, so here she is also hitting upon one of my bigger wounds, which is like, I'm, I've been faking being a man my entire life, you know, or at least my adult life, you know, she's like, Johnny. I think you need to learn how to become, you know, a, a man that you can be proud of. And then you need to teach other men to do the same. And she's like, and hold up, is your name really Johnny King? I was like, 
yeah. She's like, could you ask for any better branding? Like it's in your name. And I was like, but I had that moment, even just like over five minutes, that little conversation was like, and she was the third person in a row within nine or within 30 days, third woman that none of them knew each other had said, you need to work with men. So, and I had heard other women say to me throughout the years, like, you should really work with my husband or you should really be working with men. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I really, I'm happy with this. But I was really, really just deeply scared. Cause I'm like, I'm an imposter, man. Like yeah. men will see through that in a heartbeat. Right. So I put that off for years and years and years, but I, that had been a calling to me, I think divinely for a long time that I finally, at the end of 2018, I was like, fuck it. She's right. And then I thought to myself, okay, but what, again, what do I have to give? And I was like, well, it kind of worked with my gyms, you know, just bringing people together. And that's, that kind of birthed my first meeting of men, which was like, uh, 2019, February, March. And then I started doing men's meetings every month and then sitting down with guys between those meetings that I met at the meeting. So I started doing uh, probably over the course of 20, 2019, I had over a hundred coffee dates, mandates, you know, <laughs> just, just like, bro, tell me, what are you working on? What was it? Was any of their names, Sally? No, but that is my mom's name. So that's sweet of you to bring up. Did you know that? I did not know that. You, you remember the horse in uh in Texas? Yeah. We yeah. Named, oh, it's Susie. We named her Susie. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so hundred mandates. So it's hundred mandates to, to literally see if I could put my finger on the pulse of like what are they struggling with? Because I know what I struggle with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I found the vast majority of them were exactly like I was when I sat in front of Christine, which is like I don't know. What I, I just, what I do know is that what's, what I'm doing is not working, but I have no idea what I want. My relationship sucks. If they're in a relationship, my health has gone away from me. I feel like a, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm doing all right, but it's kind of like a midlife crisis where like, I've got all this stuff, but I have no level of fulfillment. Yeah. And so I finally was like, you know what? Fuck this. Cause I kept on, I was wanting them to tell me what they want. I wanted to do the easy work. Just tell me what you want and I'll provide it. And I was finally like, you know what, fuck it. They, they need a leader and not so much to like lead them, but like they need someone to tell them decisively, okay, this is what you need, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that, and that is what started the uh, really kind of me offering a couple of the retreats that year and diving more into men's coaching. And I totally rebranded everything from, from women to men. Um, and we grew that meeting of men and different events. I was doing like, yeah, guys were like 80, 90 guys were showing up for those meetings. And then COVID hit. Oh, wow. <laughs> totally, totally took all the wind out of my sails. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So. So is that, that's how Becoming uh, Kings came about? No, I mean, initially at the very beginning of COVID, two weeks before COVID hit, I started a podcast, you know, um, unbeknownst to knowing that we we're about to step into a lovely little pandemic. Um, and I had called it the Johnny King show just because <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, I just was going to shoot the shit about anything and everything. Right. Um, <clears throat> so no, it wasn't until later that year of 2020. Cause I, I think I started the show in like March at the very beginning of March. And it wasn't until March, April, May, May or June. Did I decide, well, shit, it was really clear to me. People were like, oh, this is just going to be, we're going to do this for two weeks to flatten the curve and then we'll be back to normal life. I'm like, no, 
I think this is going to go at least till, till the fall. I remember saying that at, like at the beginning of April, people were like, what? Fall? I was like, this is going to be bad. I don't know why I thought that, you know? Yeah. So like, this is going to be really bad. And uh, like, a year I think later. So, but yeah, a year later. <clears throat> so it was in, uh, in June, beginning of June, that I was like, this is going to be around forever. And we're all in full on lockdown, right? And I was like, what better time to write a book <laughs> yeah. than now? When I don't have any income, I don't have any, you know, I really didn't have a ton of clients. I was in my own shit. So I started writing a book and through that, and that book was really not so much to write a book, just to write a book. It was like to answer the questions of all the men that would come into meetings of men and be like, I love this. I didn't realize there was other men like me, but where do I go from here? And I'd be like, I don't know, come back a month from now. Like, but what do I do in between now and then? I was like, work on yourself you know like i really didn't have much of an answer right yeah, if yeah, anything yeah. i did have an answer i just was insecure didn't really i felt like i was being more of an imposter still so i hadn't really stepped into that level of confidence and that book was more like okay former self johnny if you were to walk into a men's meeting of mine i would like to just give this book to you and be like read this this will give you the blueprint of of how to really create because i had come a long way and even though i was still insecure at times i felt like i was such a different man than i was 10 years before that so much more confident so much happier more fulfilled with my life and not to say like i said that i have all my shit together by any means but at least i can see over a 10-year period that i'm on a, a very good trajectory compared to where i felt like i was going downhill you know in yeah. life you know, until I hit the ground <laughs> and blew up into a ball of flames with my marriage and my work and everything else. And that kind of turned things around. But um, I think these guys were on a similar trajectory downwards and they needed to pull back on the yoke and, and get some elevation, but it's really hard. It's almost like that there's, and I write about it in the book. It's like, it's almost like you have your engines running. You're at the end of a runway, you know, you're looking all the way down it. You're ready to take off but strewn all along the runway are all of these, you know, obstacles and things are raining down from you from like, and it's just all of the shit that you're triggered by and your family stuff and generational trauma. And there's no way that you can gain enough momentum, you know, cause you're going to run into shit. that's going to slow you down or wreck your airplane. There's no way that you can actually be able to get enough speed to get some lift and soar in life. If you have shit all over the runway you know yeah so that was that that was kind of the whole purpose of writing the book and through writing the book to answer your question long-winded answer came becoming kings like that's what it's always been for me is like just becoming our best versions of ourselves so playing off my name yes but i still feel like it really resonates you know uh and that's when i rebranded my podcast as well from johnny king to the becoming kings podcast and yeah, if that answers your question. No, no, absolutely. I want to go back to something you said uh, earlier on uh, and, and, and bear with me for a second, because I'll, I'll tie it back in. Sure. But earlier on, you had said that, you know, like you were reading scripture at prisons, right? And, and you were having a high and then you'd walk out and you'd be back to being depressed. And then you went to um, you went to coaching women and, and you were getting that validation piece that you you were chasing after uh yeah. a lot of your adult life, life. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. when you when you let that go and you went and you shifted to men 
were, were you still having those feelings or were you starting to kind of to see that clarity? Because you mentioned that Christine Hasler said a grounded man is clear. You know, they, they know the direction of the of their life where they want to go. So did mm -hmm. that start to come together for you as you made that shift? And if so, elaborate. Yes and no, a little bit. You know, I definitely was starting to, I think just sitting down with man after man after man after man who reminds me of my former self and, and being able to then see, you know, oh, like I remember sitting in, in the seat where you are, but that was like, dude, that was probably like seven years ago. I'm like, okay, I've done some fucking work. You know, I've traveled all around the world doing all, I've done all Tony Robbins events all live multiple times. UPW five times, David Destiny multiple times. Like I've done, and that's just Tony Robbins. And I did Landmark and MITT and Mankind Project and uh, PSI and had coaches out the wazoo. I, I pretty much had, I've had a coach constantly ever since my, my divorce, like literally just been diving in. But that to me was normal. And then when I started seeing more and more men who weren't embracing that, I was like, okay, there is something special about me. So that brought about <clears throat> some more kind of self-love and self-validation. Like, okay, there, there is something that I, I bring to the table that's unique. But uh, it was in the middle of, it was actually June of 2020 when I, when I met someone and started dating her. And it was the first time that I'd fallen in love since my, uh, since my divorce, like 10 years prior. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, and so I had really guarded my heart for a long time, you know, like that, my divorce really triggered, um, all the good stuff that needed to be triggered, you know, abandonment issues and mommy issues. And <clears throat> so I found myself, uh, later on that year, end of 2020, you know, like again, really struggling financially, you know, super happy in the relationship in, in many regards, and yet, uh, also feeling very challenged with my manhood in the sense of like, I'm not providing, you know, financially very much at all, Absolutely. you know, really struggling. And so I was like, you know, something's got to change. Uh, I went to a Joe Dispenza event down in Mexico, which of course during COVID was a, a huge risk for a lot of people to me. I'm like, whatever, what the fuck? Like, let's just go. Right. I got to get on living with my life. I can't just sit in my house, you know, looking out the window, waiting for life to, to come at me. So went down to Dr. Joe Dispenza and that wasn't a good experience. Not, not because Dispenza isn't amazing. Cause I've been to more of his, his since then as they've been amazing, but more so because I was just so angry and so repressed, um, that, that meditation, all that did, that's all it brought up was all of this fucking anger. I didn't realize how angry I was. Right. And I came out of that week down in Mexico, uh, where my brother and my dad were like, that was amazing. And I just wanted to punch holes in walls. That's literally all I wanted to do was fucking rage. So I was like, okay, <laughs> note to self. I need to figure out this anger. Right. So I had had Christine Hasler back on my podcast, literally maybe a week or two before I went to Dispenza. And while she and I were talking, I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like, God damn, she's amazing. I'd forgotten how amazing she is. I've got to hire her. I don't care fucking how much money she is. I'm going to hire her. And then I got so angry and I felt so vanilla. I felt so kind of like apathetic in my, in my, in my relationship, in my work. I had no motivation. I didn't even feel as much as I'd fallen in love very quickly in the summertime. 
I knew I loved this woman that I was dating at the time, but I wasn't really feeling it. I wasn't feeling very inspired, right? So I was kind of going through the motions. I was like, this is something's fucked up. Um, and I would, and she's, and she noticed this girl that I was dating. I was like, it's not you. Like if it were just you, if it's just the relationship, but then I was really passionate about all these other things in my life. Like that's one thing, but I'm so dispassionate about everything in my life. And I'm either numb or I'm in the car with like road rage. I'm so angry. I'm like triggered by the smallest of things. And so I decided to hire Christine Hasler. So beginning of 2021 is when I really started to dive in deep to my mother wound, my father wound, my inner child stuff, doing more breath work, all stuff that I didn't really know was out there, even though I'd been a coach for a while, you know, Absolutely. But I never really got into that stuff. Right. And really helping me get clear on um, first and foremost, feeling those emotions that I had been suppressing all my entire life, you know, and, uh, and, 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 you know, on the surface, there's a lot of anger, but below the anger, you know, is all that shame and loneliness and disappointment. So having to deal with that, spent a lot of time in my room, just crying, which is like, in the moment, you're like, I'm so fucking pathetic, you know, had a couple of different experiences where I was, you know, taking mushrooms up in the, in the woods and just sitting in the woods by myself crying for hours. <laughs> like what? But this is probably just, you know, a lifetime of like sadness and abandonment and loneliness and not feeling seen or all not feeling up. safe. Yeah. All pent up, all coming out. And, and, and frankly, there's still more that needs to come. I don't know if that ever ends, you know? Um, I think it does actually end, but I think I need to, you know, just keep working on that process. But that was hiring Christine and having her work me through some of those processes was the, the best coaching investment I've ever made, even, even more so than Tony Robbins in many regards, because a lot of that stuff is very analytical. A lot of Tony Robbins stuff, which I loved is like, do these three things. And I would memorize them and I know the six human needs and, but it's all very heady, which is very safe for me. I didn't, ne I never wanted to drop into my heart. I still really struggle with connecting yeah. into that. Right. So that whole, like going from like in my head, kind of like conscious or unconscious, like talking to like going from unconscious to conscious, the man's journey, like dropping more into my heart is where things like just align and flow and that. And she's, She's helped me tremendously over the past like couple of years, you know, she and her husband, Stephanos. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned it right now and I just want to highlight it. You mentioned majority of the time after your marriage that you've, you've had a coach, right? How is for, for, for men that have <laughs> never been introduced to this, right. And they, they're like, coach, why do I need a coach? Right. How has a coach helped you uh, in your journey along the way? Good question. Um, and I, and I have felt the very same thing. I'm like, man, I don't, you know, even when I was married, she, she's like, we should get marriage counseling, Psst, counseling, counselor. Like, come on, we can figure this shit out. Right. There's something about men. And I think about it in terms of just the example of like, you know, the, the, the funny, maybe it's funny, maybe it's not the kind of routine, like thing that women go to like, Oh, men never stop to ask for directions. Right. It's important for us to know that we can provide, right? Not only like sustenance and financial, but that we can provide the way. Even if we're lost, 
we're going to figure out a way yeah. because that's, it's part of just like our DNA of like, we need to like, if I, it's just triggering, right? If I ask for help, then am I less of a man, right? When, when truly not, I feel like a, a brotherhood, you know, like that's very kind of like Westernized. But if you think about like Native Americans or so many, you know, uh, Aboriginal people, they live in tribal communities. It's not just like they live by themselves, right? Absolutely. So, but that's something that I definitely felt like uh, I had ad adopted. So I, I never would ask for a coach. And, and it wasn't until I got into Tony Robbins stuff that I was so humbled by what he said that really cracked me open. I was like, okay, let's just fucking be honest. <laughs> if, if I really knew what I was doing, you know, would I be in so much pain? You know, like I need a coach. Cause I've always had coaches in, in athletics, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've been, you know, and then and shortly thereafter, I was a coach as like a personal trainer and everything else. Like, I just realized, so why do we have coaches, financial coaches? We have CPAs, we have wealth management coaches, we have, you know, doctors who are kind of like coaches. We have all these coaches. And yet when it comes to like mental health, emotional health for men, like, no, 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 no. I don't need a coach. Like, <laughs> the that's fuck not you real. Do? You men know? don't feel. No, no, don't feel. no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I would say that's, uh, that's something I really personally have leaned into. And it has been one of, if not the biggest defining, you know, difference in my life. Like the, the men that I really connect with deeply are the guys that are doing the work and have the humility, such as yourself, like to, to, to get around other good men who are doing the work and have mentorship and coaches, the guys that are really stunted and stagnant in their life or like, no, no, I'll fucking do it myself. It's their ego. They're scared. Yeah. They're hiding. It's so clear to me, but they don't like, they think that maybe they're, you know, <laughs> pulling the wool over other people's eyes, but they're not right. I it's can pretty obvious. I can lift 50 pounds with my arm. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've seen Which, it. You've seen it. Right. Well, even in the gym, like how much can you grow? I, I can grow so much faster if I can, if I have a spot, if I have a spotter, if I have a workout buddy, I can always push myself harder because I know he's got my back and I'm not going to do what I did in high school, which is like not be able to get the bar off my chest and I'm up in my room, you know, while my family's yeah. downstairs. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to die here. I'm 17 <laughs> years old trying to bench this and I, and I can't I don't get it help. off my chest. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Help, help, help. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I don't know where we were going with that, but that's great. Um, that's our <laughs> typical relationship. So for everyone listening, when we were, me and Johnny were in um, Texas and we just were goofballs the whole time. To the point that he almost got me in trouble and got me kicked out. <laughs> no. right. that's, that's how I do it. You were, you were asking me though, but like the importance of coaches and coaching in men's lives. And I, and I feel like that is uh, the, the sooner that someone could be listening to this or gets the, uh, the aha that like, oh, a coach could actually help me speed up time. Like I would rather save time and spend money all day long. Absolutely. Right? And then I get in conversations and I tell people how much I cost. Oh, no, nah, I can't, I can't afford that. You know, the vast majority of the work that I did for the first several years. And at times like I couldn't, I couldn't afford to do any of that shit. You know, yeah. it just was that the pain of staying where I was as that current man was worse than the pain of potentially investing in a coach and losing that money. Right. But for most men, 
the pain of going forward and stepping into their deepest, darkest fears, you know, is scarier than just staying comfortable. Right. Yeah. So we're never going to shift and move until where we're at currently is worse off than at least <laughs> falling forward. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's, that's a big part of, you know, helping guys kind of like move off of their safe little plot of land. Absolutely. I want to, I want to circle back again to becoming Kings, right? We, we yeah. talked about how it originated. Let's, let's now talk about the growth of becoming Kings, how that's been receptive to your community of meeting of men and just men in general. Uh, let's tell me, tell me about how that's evolved and how it's helped you and helped other men. Yeah, I think it's evolved in the sense that like, um, like even in writing the book, it's like, okay, I want to, I just, I don't, like I mentioned earlier, I don't care to write a book to become an author. I, I don't even think of myself as a writer. I could kind of care less about the accolades in that sense. I just wanted to be able to write out a framework that would help a man go from point A to point B, point B to point C, so on and so forth. Because it's really challenging in the sense of like, okay, if I were to write a book about making money or uh, gaining muscle, like it's or like getting stronger, like that's not, there's a science to that. It's easy in that sense. Like it's not, it's not easy. It's easy to understand, sometimes very challenging to implement. <clears throat> but when it comes to fulfillment as a man, when it comes to like uh, that, that to me is more of uh, a, an art, right? And what you find as beautiful that hangs in a, uh, you know, hang, in, in a museum might be totally different than what I see as beautiful, right? So that's the challenge. It really is the yin and the yang of, of like success, but also fulfillment, right? And so that, that kind of really kicked things off for me of, of writing the book and doing the podcast, which like, it's not only about being financially successful, you know? or being successful on the outside, because I lived that life. I had everything that looked successful. And we all do a, a good job of that a lot of times with social media. But none of us really know what's going on in our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with God, our relationship with our, with our significant other or our kids, with our parents, like there could be so much heartache that we're just kind of hiding behind you know this facade of like oh look at our life it's amazing do you see how i got three thousand views on my reel it's like <laughs> life is so good you know that external so, validation yeah so i really do feel like um the whole idea of becoming kings is like yes and yes and how can you be as abundant how can you become the king of your kingdoms and there's multiple kingdoms right that i've kind of laid out which is your inner kingdom, your outer kingdom, and your eternal kingdom. Your inner kingdom is like the inner game that we're talking about. Like you've got to be happy and emotional, emotionally stable. You've got to be confident, secure in yourself. You've got to have your castle, your kingdom <laughs> fortified and, uh, and not blocked off, let's say, but like open and welcoming, but like secure, right? And I would often think about that after my divorce. It's like, with or without a woman, I need to be happy with myself. I want to create a life that whether I get remarried and have kids or not, or I die, you know, uh, early or late, like, I want to be able to at least look back from my deathbed and be like, I fucking lived, you know, I'm proud of who I've become, right? And that's the big premise of becoming kings. It's like, 
not about becoming a king so you can rule other uh, rule over other people. It's such that you can rule <laughs> your life with dominion, right? And abundance on your inner kingdom, your outer kingdom, which would be more of like your, your life's purpose. Like, what are you building? Yeah. You know, what are you creating? And then your eternal kingdom. And I say eternal, because I feel like that's really the, the only stuff that you get to take along with you after this life. Yeah. Is the relationships. It's the memories. It's the magic moments. It's the, it's the love that you've, you've shared, you know, and I think that's, that's really where the true juice in life is, but you'll never be able to fully experience that. Just like I was experiencing like a, a year ago in that relationship where I actually did have love, but because my inner and my outer kingdoms weren't aligned, they weren't abundant. I couldn't fully experience the fullness of that relationship. Um, because I was so stuck, you know, there's so many things that were under construction <laughs> in the other kingdom. So I think about it as like three circles that kind of all overlap, you know, your inner, your outer and your eternal, but right there in the middle, where all three, like a little tiny section where all three overlap is where Kings are found. And that yeah. little sweet spot, I feel like is congruence where a man is, uh, he says, you know, what he says he's going to do, he does. You know, his word is his bond. He's a man of integrity. He doesn't, you know, hang out with his wife and then go jack off to porn later. He's not gambling, drinking. He's yeah. not, doesn't have a mistress. He's, 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 a, he's a man of, of high integrity and he is a king. And I think there's very few of those men. That's who I aspire to be is that type of man who, you know, has his shit figured out, right? And is an amazing uh, example to his loved ones and future generations. And I, yeah. And, and I think, you know, my wife, she went to a, a woman's retreat uh, last week and yeah. you know, there's 200 women there. And I don't know, you know, the, the specifics of the detail, but my wife came back and said one thing to me that like, just, it, it opened a lot is women are curious on how they can get their wife or their husband, excuse me, to, to change. Right. And when you said porn, it, it, hit something with me because many men right they they push themselves either into porn they start to work more they start to maybe possibly work out like there's not a balance in their life and uh anybody that's listening that this resonates with you like you're not alone right and, and yeah, you mentioned this yeah. like there's a lot of people that have that lone wolf mindset they're like i gotta figure it out myself and totally. you're not alone and so with that, with saying that leading up to, so becoming Kings obviously is still there, but it, there's been something else that has evolved in your life that you that you started recently called the brotherhood or the arena, right? Mm -hmm, you talk, mm -hmm. tell me more about that. Well, I'm getting, it's just, it plays off kind of the, the King warrior, lover, magician type archetype uh, feel in that sense that like, you know, again, I grew up loving Braveheart and Gladiator and Matrix and like all those stories really where uh, a man comes from like humble beginnings. He doesn't truly believe in himself, you know, and then he's kind of thrust into <laughs> leadership. And, and, and in terms of like Maximus Aurelius, like in the Gladiator, he actually finds himself uh, in the arena fighting for his life. Right. Um, and it takes me back to that kind of quote by Teddy Roosevelt as well. You know, like the, the men that are marred with dust and blood and, 
and sweat because they are fucking in the arena toiling yeah. versus all the naysayers and all the people that comment and, and chirp from the grandstands are just like entertain us, you know? And I felt like for a lot of my life, I had been watching it, you know, even though like, yes, I'd done sports and gotten through school just fine with a decent GPA. Like everything was just kind of mediocre. I hadn't fully committed, committed myself, you know, whereas, and if you're, if you're thrust into arena, into an arena or the arena and you have to literally fight for your life i feel like uh there are a lot of men who are kind of waking up to the fact that they're like oh i have to fucking fight like it and that's how i felt you know when when my divorce was happening i was like i i have to fucking fight or i might as well kill myself like there's one there's one of two options you know and that fight uh it's it's again in our day and age it's not so much like a world war although god knock on wood we don't have another like world war three but for most of us the the biggest battle or war that is going on is that war that wages within right yep. so i feel like uh every single day we're battling against um the drift of life you know any 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 coping mechanism mechanisms that sedate us whether it be our phones you know, alcohol, all the, all the vices that we talked about before, everything wants to pull us back into like, just, just chill out, man. Just, just enjoy your life, which there's a part, there's a time for that. Like I literally every night I watch Netflix now, you know, <laughs> I really do. I watch Netflix at least an episode. Show. Yeah. Just cause that's like my only time to kind of just let my brain settle. Cause I'm doing so much throughout the day <clears throat> and I'm, you know, working that. But I do feel like uh, that that's the big part of, of like, okay, a lot of us are doing things as lone wolves. And I created this arena brotherhood, which is kind of an online platform to have like-minded com men come together to be like, I'm fighting in the arena too with you. So I got your back brother, like, and I'm going to, I'm not going to let you give up or let yourself, you know, be slayed by the, by the temptation of just settling for mediocrity you know or like i don't know i'm thinking about uh, i'm having a really hard time with my wife and i'm just thinking about like there's this other woman who's been hitting on me at work and she's really hot and i think she'd probably sleep with me and, and, and i want to have brothers by my side who are like you know i'm making that up but like who are like no bro like uh, an affair isn't worth throwing 20 years of your relationship away right like yeah. something that's just an example but or, like I or what, have... what is really there for you what's underlying like what's coming yeah. up for you? yeah yeah that's what i want to have and, and i think that the arena brotherhood for me is like that's that's other men who are committed to fighting the good fight and they're yeah. in the arena of their lives and to provide support and training and system for them to be able to to get more shit done while also focus on creating a life that they they love and that they're proud of like i said a life that's it's abundant so that they can get out of the arena someday right yeah, and absolutely. aspire to be king king of their own lives you know? absolutely i want to yeah. i want to um talk on one more thing uh before we get into like how we can get a hold of you and things of that nature yeah well, you and i met uh via traver boehm right i, I want to i know you and traver are very good friends i want to i want to dive into how has he helped you so for anybody that is listening that doesn't know who traver boehm is man man uncivilized i encourage you to go and check that out um 
how has he helped you along within your journey? Uh, I don't know. I think you guys have been friends for about six years, but how, how long or how has he helped you along with your journey? Fuck, uh, so many different ways. I, and I would say, <laughs> I mean, reading his book, uh, he's an amazing writer. And, and not only like, is he very, very, uh, is his message amazing? you know, but he's also fucking hilarious. So, so that really kind of helped me uh, connect with him even deeper. Cause like, okay, this guy's not only a stud, but he's fucking hilarious, you know, and he writes really well. So whether you read his book first, which I highly recommend or listen to his podcast or go to even one of his uh, initiations or retreats, he's helped me tremendously in terms of, <clears throat> I had this feeling like I've, I've watched what he's been creating because he got into the men's stuff along before I did. And he's much further along, uh, but he has similar offerings, just a lot more of, you Absolutely. Know, or I have, I have similar offerings to him, but he has so much more greater depth. And, but I've also seen how he's created partnerships and he's working with other men and women. And I had been, and still sometimes struggled to just feel like I had to do it all on my own. And I have to ask myself, why do I do that? Is it just really about me, you know, proving to my own, to myself, it's not really about like, it, it, and I think that's ultimately, it's like, I'm insecure. So I need to do this, self, do this my, myself to prove to myself that I'm worthy, right? He told me, you know, not too long ago, maybe like a year ago, half a year ago, it's like, honestly, Johnny, I totally get that. It's when I signed up and for the, for the retreat and also some yeah. of the online stuff when I first met you, he's like, I saw that you signed up for everything. Like I spent 10 grand on like everything I could find to sign up. <laughs> he's like, uh, and he's texting me like, you, you okay, man. I was like, <laughs> dude, I am so like, I'm so lonely. Like I'm creating all this stuff, but I feel like I'm by myself. Right. And he's like, Oh dude, he's like, it's funny, isn't it? How we've always preached as like leaders in some sense of men's movements that you need a brotherhood that you need also like, and yet then we find ourselves very alone uh, trying to create all the value for everyone else to enjoy. I'm like, Yes. He's like, dude, everything changed for me when I finally started asking for help. <laughs> I was like, he's like, you are more than welcome to come into my community, be a part of it, learn. And I was like, ah, oh. it just, and then making friends with like you and Robert and uh, Ryan and so many of the guys um, in, in the nation, Uncivilized Man Nation is like, it's been a lifesaver, quite frankly, you know, yeah. so just his willingness to not see me as competition, but to see me as a brother, you know, absolutely, um, is, is fucking inspiring. So that's, that has been very, very, um, it's not only what he's doing, but his way of being of like, um, of, of being generous and open yeah, yeah. and being welcoming, you know, is what's I helped change my life. I remember him saying to me and you when we were on a call with him, there's like 7 billion people in the world. You're not competing with me, right? You're, you're helping me tackle, <laughs> yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, a problem. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do love that aspect around him. I want to highlight, I want to ask you another a last question and then we'll, we'll finish up here. Sure. If you could take it all the way back to 12 years ago, right? Men, women, whoever's listening that are, have the same issue or they're, that are, they're struggling with, you know, like, making that decision like if you had to give if you could give them a piece of advice what would it be going back 12 years ago now you're older johnny looking down like what would that piece of advice be mm. probably to piggyback on what i said previously but what i just said 
30 seconds ago too, is like, I think the older that I get, the more I realized how quickly life is kind of going by. Right. Um, and, and I think life is one of those things that, uh, obviously tomorrow isn't guaranteed as cliche as that is, you know, uh, the older you get, obviously the more lost you experience, you know? Um, and so I've, I've lost enough people. I've been close enough to, to death to be humbled and appreciate how, how, I mean, it's fragile. Yeah. But like how quickly it can evade us, you know, uh, elude us, if you will. And having said that, the only thing that we really, really get is this present moment. Right. And that's why I've really been kind of leaning more into like mindfulness practice and meditation and, and looking at all that stuff. But I really do truly believe that like, if you're unhappy and you want to become happier, you have to ask for help because if you knew how to do it, you would have already done it, you know? So clearly whatever you're doing isn't working, have the humility to reach out and ask for help, you know? Cause like I said, it's time or money. You don't get to take the money with you anyways, you know? So all you're doing is really wasting the most precious asset you have, which is time. Right. And it's not even so much time, as it is like, even if in this moment, I'm so stressed that I can't be present with my woman or with my kids, like those are, those are potential magic moments that you're losing. And I missed so many opportunities to be present with loved ones that I don't necessarily regret because I realized I had to go through that to ultimately give me enough pain <laughs> to motivate yeah. me. But it's, it's sad that we sometimes have to hit the, the bottom of a barrel before we actually change, you know? So that's what I would ultimately say is like, man, you know, take a little advice from, from men who have hit the bottom, you know, and uh, see if maybe you can avoid going all the way down there to, to change and, and ask for help, whether yeah. it be to get a coach or get a therapist. I have a, I have a coach and a therapist right now, right? Same here, same here. I have, yeah, I have like all of it. And uh, so many great friends like you who I can also bounce ideas off of. I have conversations every single week with guys from the nation. It's like, I have such a community, like that is what has changed my life, you know? And not to say that I don't have shitty days or shitty weeks at times. Like that's, that is just life, right? Yeah. In the same way that I still go into the gym and have shitty workouts. Like it is where it is. You just push through. Uh, but even through that, you get stronger and stronger. So yeah. it's just, it's just life is too short to do it alone. Life is too short to sit and just kind of play victim to your shortcomings or to your fears and your trauma. Like the sooner you cast light on the darkness, the the sooner you will find freedom. Yeah. I, I want to right now give you two minutes to wrap on anything, but I want to leave you in, with something at this moment before you do that. There's something that you said. I know I sent you a message. Uh, and, and asked you a question about it. and you're like, man, I don't even remember saying it, but it's it's stuck. It's resonated with me. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I look at it every single day, right? It's either going to be the best year of your life or the worst year of your life. Either way, it's going to be the hardest year of your life. Ready, set, go. I'm going to wrap on that. No, just wrap on well, anything, but I just wanted yeah. to, I wanted to throw that out yeah. there for people that are, that just listen to your, your, um, 
your advice is it's not going to be easy, right? It can be the best or it can be the worst, but it's going to be hard either way. Yeah. And I think that kind of plays out into the whole idea of like, it just comes down to perspective, right? Like I could be still at the, I could be an alcoholic. I could be a drug, a drug addict. I could be a complete mess as a result of going through within a three-year period, mom passing away, getting married, my dad coming out of the closet, my wife leaving, like all of that was deeply triggering and deeply emotional. You know, I could be a victim to like, oh, why didn't those loved ones have any empathy for what I was going through? Why did they leave me? You know, I could have this sob, sob story. And I chose to just choose the, the empowering story of like, you know what? No, this is, this is where, you know, the point of my autobiography where the music changes, like I said, and, and I rise up from the ashes and I fucking dominate, you know, <clears throat> I would much rather prefer that story over the story that I had been living previously, you know? So, but I do remember experiencing a lot of thoughts of like, I could never leave my job. I don't, I don't have that level of courage. I'm not really entrepreneurial. I don't even know to how to run a business or like I had so, I was so insecure. I really didn't have any belief in me, which is why I feel like you need to surround yourself with a community of men that can help uplift you. And, and oftentimes over the years, it's been really interesting to go to events where people are like, dude, you're a fucking born leader. I'm like, what? Like, you don't even know what goes on in, the, in my head. Like if you yeah. knew what goes on in my head and how I view myself, you'd never follow me. But over and over and over again, where I'd have those experiences of different groups looking at me as a leader. And of course, we'd, we'd all have moments where we'd all step up as leaders. It's not like I was the only leader. We were all different, having different times of shining made me realize that maybe I was the only one that had a perverted sense of truth of myself, you know? Uh, and maybe all of them are actually seeing a lot more clearly without my limiting beliefs. And so that really, that really helped me kind of start to like, okay, create greater levels of self-confidence, greater levels of self-love. So as I'm nearing the end of my two minutes, I think it's just like, you know, if someone's listening to this and be like, and they're at the very lowest of low in terms of just life and emotions and <clears throat> confidence, like good thing is the only way you can move is up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it also is a fucking long process, man. And people think that like you can get rich quick or you can like, you know, that one uh, plant-based medicine journey is going to fix you or one initiation weekend is going to fix you. Like how many conversations have I had from guys from the initiation weekend that where we met uh, in person, I should say, where a guys like, oh, like I keep dealing with shit that I was dealing with before the initiation. I thought yeah. I was good. I'm like, nah, man, like it's, it's just... It's just like one yeah. season after another. It's like a career, having a sports career. Like it's like Tom Brady. You just have to keep refining, watching game tape, figuring out why you did what you did, going back and apologizing for things that you aren't happy about or proud of, making amends, keep healing, keep getting stronger. It's no, it's a fucking marathon. And, and a lot of people think it's a sprint, but like you have to really realize that like a lot of the stuff in terms of becoming a king and becoming abundant in your life and becoming a conscious man, right. Is a fucking journey. Yeah. It's not a destination. That's why you don't call it <laughs> the destination, you know, like yeah, you never yeah. really get there. It's just a journey to becoming more and more conscious and more and more present. Absolutely. I, you know, I was surprised 
being from Denver yourself, I thought you would throw Peyton Manning out there before Tom Brady, but I mean, shit. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I truly appreciate your time today. I want to, yeah, Broncos. There we go. Uh, I I truly appreciate your time to get day. I want to end with, please tell everyone how they can find you, how they can get a hold of you. Um, you're a coach, you're doing, uh, group coaching as well. Like let's tell them all. Yeah. I mean, if they ultimately, probably the best way to reach me is through fax. Um, they can fax me at um, school. 1-800. The, the gray is coming out of your beard a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Uh, shit. No, they can, they can reach me uh, johnnyking.com. You know, um, my, my arena brotherhood isn't open, but uh, a couple times a year for enrollment for like a week. Um, so you kind of have to be added to the list. So if you go to johnnyking.com, you can kind of check out that uh, and kind of jump on that waiting list um coaching one-on-one uh, as i told you before we started recording i'm taking less and less clients you know um just for my own sense of lifestyle that i want to enjoy um and uh and really only to work with guys that are really 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 committed you know um otherwise the arena is a great place you know they can guys can check out my book which is all on my website they can uh you know um Check out my podcast, Becoming Kings Podcast, which is also on my website. All, all the good stuff is on johnnyking.com. And they can figure out how to reach me on the social media, everything else, all on my website. I appreciate you, Johnny. Yeah. Love you, you brother. Too, brother. Love you too, man. Thanks for having uh, me on. No, appreciate you.